Hello and welcome to Story on the Spot. My name is Jim Heskett and going around here, over there we see Samson, uh, minus the hair. If you notice, his face is completely different, but that's Mr. R.A. McGee coming back into the booth because he had to go grab some caffeine. <laughs> that is perennial sixth man of the year, Craig A. Hart. And rounding us out, my other podcast is a bestseller. That is Mr. Nick Thacker. And we will be right back after... All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Uh, there's something I wanted to point out right here at the top of the show. I had a realization uh, about our show that we are the first and only T-Figs, the thriller fiction improv game show. The first and only thriller fiction improv game show in the entire world. In mm. the entire world. Do you know of another it's one? great no, to be know. a trailblazer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How's everybody doing today? We good? Boy, good. <laughs> Nick, are you messing with us? We can't hear you. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's what I thought. Thanks. I like to Nick's give Jim a coronary every week, yeah. man. Uh, he said it super late just to just to keep him on edge. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks. No, I don't want to get. I don't want to get lazy, so I appreciate that. Um, all right. I'm here for. <laughs> This is episode 23 of Story on the Spot, and we have a little bit of housekeeping from last week to attend to first. Last week's winner was not Nick. Sorry, Nick's pointing at himself. Sorry, it was Kevin. Mm. You did it. Most um, people think oh, we're the same person, though, so can I like, accept it on his behalf? You just, you just want to take it? You want to accept this yeah, award? Yeah, I'll just go ahead and I'll just take it. Thank you. All right, give Very, us a speech. I want to, I want to thank my mom. Um, you know, obviously for everything that she's done, I'd like to thank God because that's what you're supposed to do when you win an award. Um, I'd also like to thank, um, our gracious host. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's the, Oh, Arbiter Jim, I guess. Arbiter is his name. Um, I really appreciate, uh, whatever this is. Um, I hope that it earns me a lot of money in the future. I'm sure it will. Thanks. You get, you also, in addition to the win, you're going to get a thousand exposure bucks. Exposure box. Exposure box by appearing on this show. <laughs> My favorite kind of box. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you are watching, here's what you're going to do. I am going to give some story prompts, and each story prompt is a round. Each one of these three guys is going to pitch a story. You, watcher, vote by comment with which one you like the best, and then tune in next week to see who is the winner. And... Today's bonus word is Donnybrook, which is a noun, a scene of uproar and disorder or a heated argument. That word again was Donnybrook. If I remember last week, no one could remember Winkle Picker. <laughs> and it turned into all sorts of other words. Okay. <laughs> I'll be able jump. to remember this one, though, because this is actually my legal name, Donnybrook. Hey. Really? No. no, you're not. no. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Yeah, I mean, you kind of did. I'm just trying to be relevant. <laughs> you kind of, you kind of thought it was his real name. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you notice at the very beginning of the show, Craig wasn't in his seat. He had to go run to grab an energy drink. So we're gonna give Craig a few minutes. No, I was trying to come up with that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time there was spent. about to be a Donnybrook on the show. 
Yeah. Mm. I always thought it would make a good uh, pen name, Donnie Brook. <laughs> nice. All right. Today's first story is called Brain Art. You guys ready? Jimmy Sauer of Racine, Washington, takes a walk along the beach on Lake Michigan every morning where he collects sea glass and random stuff because I like to do artwork at home with the stuff that I find. He recently came across a curious package wrapped in aluminum foil, he said. Curiosity got to me, so I popped it open and it looked like a chicken breast. But on closer inspection, he determined it was a brain. The package also contained flowers and paper with what appeared to be Mandarin characters printed on it. Mm. All right, contestants, who wants to be the first to pitch us a story based on brain art? First of all, can we discuss, is, is he allowed, are, are Michigan people allowed to say sea glass when they don't live next to a sea? <laughs> I mean, can we, do we, I think we need to take that from them. They, People from Michigan tend to latch onto things like that and, and pretend like they're relevant and they're just not because they're in Michigan. Mm. Mm. Okay. Thanks for your feedback, Nick. That's my story. Um, so <laughs> whoever is next can try to beat that one. Um, that was my idea. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go, I'll go. Let me, let me go. Let me get this, let me get this out of the way. So um, I think that we are dealing with a, um, a kidnapping. Okay. That took place. Uh, on Lake Michigan, um, and it was a small um, uh, a Chinese family uh, that was kidnapped uh, from their homes because they they knew their family owed people to the wrong, you know, uh, a triad gang back in China, and so they were uh, being held for ransom on a houseboat in the middle of Lake Michigan. Well, the uh, the mother. Uh, is descended from a long line of uh, of Chinese sorcerers, so she knew that in order to uh, uh, get them out of this, that they were going to have to conjure up uh, some of the uh, ghosts uh, of the demons from China to come and help them. And so, what they did was they lured one of the kidnappers in, and they killed him, and they took his brain and they put it in the foil packet. And so, it's like a it's like a spell, it's like a potion, you know. They put the right flowers in the brain and they, they did the, the caricature caricatures on there and everything. They wrapped it all up and they threw it in the water. And, uh, you know, after that happened, you know, they waited for a while. And then we had a, uh, a, a, a tsunami of, uh, of ghosts from China showed up and uh, scared off the rest of the kidnappers, killed them, did what they needed to do, and then uh, delivered the family back uh, safely to their home. So it was a, uh, a Chinese voodoo type of spell gone uh not wrong gone right so that's what that's what the remnants of that are so. very nice ra so nick or craig who wants to tackle <clears throat> he does <laughs> all right well uh, having grown up in michigan um mm. do you call it too black too like a wow. lizard <laughs> no so i can't believe you just sat there and let him crap all over your, your yeah i'm gonna i'm state. actually gonna separate you two so thank you right. people <laughs> michigan do, man they just, they just let people back. crap all over them <laughs> they think they're still relevant with things like sea glass even though it's just lake glass he's just Craig so polite that's a true midwesterner right there dude he sat there and let somebody <laughs> crap all over him he didn't say anything that's midwest hospitality right there well, but is he midwest or is he canadian because one of those the little peninsula that's you're basically canadian at that point Anywho, so hey, moving on. <laughs> Go right ahead, Craig. <laughs> um, no, so 
what is happening there is a billionaire um who has come up with a plan using kind of like an almost like an emp kind of technology um to brainwash most of the people in the world with a single push of a button just man <clears throat> waves everybody's his sheep and will run around and do his bidding and build his empire for him <clears throat> however as it turns out that the tin foil hat people have had it right all along you put that on your head you're good nothing can penetrate it you're fine so this is kind of in relation to i don't know if anybody's familiar with the donovan's brain story that has been done a million times back in the day it was a radio drama with orson wells and all this stuff so basically what they've done is transplant their brains out of some of the smartest people and put them in these foil packets to protect them from the impending brainwashing because the thing is they don't know when it's going to happen so their brightest minds, you know, the people are dying, but they're saving their brains and putting them in these protective packets. So when the time comes, open up, pop it into somebody's head, you're good. Then you can go take out the billionaire. Uh, unfortunately, it's, the billionaire got wind of this and uh, destroyed the facility. And now they've got these brains in foil packets floating all over the place. They end up all over the world and in likely places like say colorado or hawaii but some places they end up where you wouldn't expect a brain to exist such as you know michigan and, and whatnot so but fortunately um people are coming across these brains and they're still protected and still viable so no matter what happens with the this brainwashing emp there's still hope for the human race all right <laughs> thanks craig um, Craig, my wife is from Michigan, so I'm, I'm on, I'm on your side. I get it. <laughs> well, I'm not there currently, so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> All right, Nick, man of the hour. What do you have for story number one? <clears throat> well, uh, we've got, it, he, this is clearly to me, uh, just clearly a case. Sorry. There we go. Um, case of, uh, <laughs> you've got, you've got a guy who's on an Island in Lake Michigan. Uh, cause those, those are a thing. Um, and uh, he he's kind of um, set up this weird little chop shop where he actually is experimenting on humans uh, on their bodies specifically. Um, and so what he does is he completely removes all of their insides. Uh, so it's just a skeleton and muscles and skin. Uh, they're an empty cavity that he can uh, he can do his experiments on upon. Um, and so he found a long time ago that rather than getting a Donnybrook with um, you know somebody who. <laughs> He was trying to uh, come on. Give me the thing. Give me the thing. I did. You didn't give me the thing. What's the thing? Well, you want? You want the done done? I want the. You know, I want the. I want the secret word. <laughs> give me the secret word. I'm not going to continue until I get the secret word. Okay, fine. Um, he. Uh, yes, I, I can't even think now because I didn't get the secret word image. Do you not have it? Did you get rid of he it? He gave it to you. <laughs> he gave it to me. I totally missed it. Did he really? <laughs> It only counts once. I have to say Donnybrook over and over and over again. <laughs> um, so that's uh, you know, that's what happened. That's that's what's going on. With it. You know, who would have thought that it was Kevin Tumlinson that was the glue that was keeping this show together? <laughs> who knew? <laughs> Kevin's gone um, for one week and everything falls to pieces. Everything falls apart. No, so so here's what he does, man. He 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 has found that instead of capturing people, you know, like a just a run of the mill hoodlum. Um, he doesn't even have to leave his island. He simply takes the brains of his victims, wraps them in foil, and he puts uh, in, in, in Chinese um, writing inside there a note that says, do not come to this island that is at these coordinates 
or I will remove your brain and kill you. Uh, and that's what it says. And so he sends it out and it floats around until it lands on, you know, some beach and some unsuspecting um, lake glass finder um, comes by and picks it up and unwraps it and thinks it's a chicken breast because they're an idiot. And, uh, um, you know, they can't read Chinese and they don't think that maybe they should figure out why the hell there's a brain in a, in a thing. Instead, they just they just look at the coordinates on there um, and uh, and they just go right to the island and he's got more victims. Uh, so it's sort of like, you know, uh, those people who write the spam emails, uh, they specifically put in um, typos and, and misspelled words and things like that um, so that they can weed out any smart person from interacting with them because it's a waste of their time. So that's what he this what this guy's done. He's he's finding people who um, won't think to go call the cops and won't think to get somebody to translate the Chinese. They just look at the coordinates on there and float out to his little island and go, oh, what's, oh, what's over here? And then he pops their brain out and eats it. Pops the brain out and eats it. All right. So if you are watching at home, you can vote for your favorite pitch in that round. Just put the the contestant's name that you like. Uh, and it does. you don't have to be watching live. You can still vote if you're watching on the replay. Now let's move on to story number two. This is called Living Mask. A commuter boarded a bus between Swinton and Manchester, England, sporting what one fellow passenger thought was a funky mask until it started to move. The face mask turned out to be a live snake wrapped around the man's neck and over his nose and mouth. No one batted an eyelid, one writer said. Transport for Greater Manchester, however, said in a statement that snakeskin, especially when still attached to the snake, is not suitable for masks. So the story is a little bit hashtag topical. Because, but, because of snakes, right. Yeah, all over the news. So who would like to be the first to tackle this story about the guy wearing a snake mask on the train? Hmm. I'll go. I'll go again. I don't care. All right. All right. I don't care. Let's do this. So I think that this uh, I think that the man who's wearing uh, the snake skin is actually a uh, an old Chinese deity. OK. And he'd been dead for a long time, right? The snake god, Chinese snake god. He'd been dead for a long time. And then all of a sudden, someone on a boat in Lake Michigan summoned him and his people for help. And he's not used to the new world. He got a little bit lost. He ended up in England. And so now he's trying to take a, a train or he's trying to take a bus to end up getting where he can go to go save his people who asked for help in Lake Michigan. So this is just a straggler from my last story. He lost his way, the snake god. Very nice. Nice tying in two stories together, R.A. <clears throat> Nick or Craig, who wants to be the meat in the sandwich on this story? I got nothing. I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is a particular kind of snake. And sort of like those toads that you lick to get high. Well, this particular snake emits a scent or a fume that <laughs> Samson already knows where this is going, <laughs> where, <laughs> where if you, you know, if you sniff the snake, you get a little buzz off of, but not only that, but it also increases your focus and, <laughs> and your IQ for a limited period of time. However, um, it, it, it doesn't last very long, so only a couple of minutes. So it's not like you can at home sniff the snake and then run off and perform some sort of... <laughs> I'm going to have to turn off. Sorry. 
Dude, you've got to call this episode Sniff the Snake. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's going on the list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's not like you can just, you know, you're at home, sniff a snake, and then, <laughs> and then run out and do your dastardly deeds and then get home before it wears off. No, you've got to go you know, fast. But the problem is he this guy's old, so he can't just run anywhere and do it. It takes him a long time to get anywhere. So the only solution for him, this master criminal, is uh because in the past, I should I should mention is that he has been a master criminal for for many decades. But he's getting old and slowing down. But he can't quite give up his his love of the craft. And this being able to sniff the snake, has, <laughs> I just said that on purpose, uh, has allowed him to continue this into his twilight years. And so, but uh, as I said, it doesn't last long. So he has to wear it around his face <laughs> so he can continually <laughs> get. It. Get hits of this IQ boosting. <laughs> you see, now the one thing he hasn't quite figured out, and that, and that he is trying to use the current crisis, you know, to make it not so obvious. Like, look, I'm just I'm wearing a mask, you know, and he's gotten into all kinds of Donnie Brooks with people and arguing and, and carrying on, and because people are approaching him, but he's he's been able to move past that, and he's slowly beginning to convince people that hey. A mask is a mask, and if I want to wear a live snake as a mask, then I'm going to. And that has gained him entrance into like banks and and sensitive government places where normally you're not going to be able to go in while sniffing a snake. They, they, a lot of think people have actually certain rules and regulations specifically targeting that activity, but he's managed to overcome that, and so he's managed to take his master criminalhood into his twilight years which is something that most people would not be able to accomplish. So I, I give him props and kudos for pursuing his passion beyond an age where most people wouldn't be able to. Very nice, Craig. Thank you. All right, Nick. So you said you got nothing before. Have you had a chance to think about it or do you still got nothing? I think what we've got here, guys, is a classic case <laughs> of human centipede situation. Uh, so <laughs> please continue. Let's yeah, I'm excited to hear about this one. <laughs> so the snake isn't actually wrapped around the man's mouth. The snake is the man. They are one. There we go. There we go. There we go. So um, this guy is uh, is is basically working in a lab with his partner who uh, has figured out a way to create a uh, a being that is um, uh, what's the right word? It's um. Um, whatever, but like a bacteria that's uh, I can't remember. Um, they feed off one another, right? Parasitic. They feed each other. Symbiotic. Symbiotic. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. They're symbiotic. So, um, he's tried this with all kinds of smaller creatures, and he finally has figured out how to uh, make it work with his. My kid opened the door. Uh, make it work with his uh, with with a human, and so of course he tries it on his partner, uh, and and he's created a way to put a snake attach mouth to mouth with a human and have them feed off of each other. I don't even know. The human snake snake this, this makes total sense. Um and uh and 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 the problem is they get in a little Donnybrook. Um in Britain they may call it a row. Um and uh he gets on the bus and decides to go see his mom um because his mom can always help um with things like this. So that's what happened. Yep. Okay. Thanks that's Nick. And the end. Okay. Next up <clears throat> Bonus round. We're going to play Boxer's Briefs Commando, but it's a little bit different this time. You're going to tell us why your series hero wears boxers or briefs or goes on natural. 
bonus points for coming up with a catchphrase as part of your answer, or for talking trash about the other series heroes. Hmm. Boxer's Brief Commando. It's a bonus round. Who would like to go first? All right. Um, <clears throat> so Shelby Alexander is a man who likes to be prepared. So what underwear he's wearing depends on what he's planning to do that day. Um, <clears throat> if he's he's going to be in the middle of a gunfight, he's going to wear a breeze for sure because you want things nice and tidy and, and, and tucked in there. We're running around, jumping over logs, running through the, the woods in Michigan. That's where it's set. Uh, mm. <laughs> Looking for sea glass. Looking, mm. Right. I mean, that's the... As you do, I mean, naturally in Michigan. <laughs> right. I mean, if anybody's familiar with the series, you know, it's like Serenity Submerged, Serenity blah, blah, blah. Well, the next one that I'm writing currently is Serenity Sea Glass. So I hope that doesn't turn anybody off. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so he, he, it depends on the situation he's going to find himself in. And he carries both briefs and boxers with him in case he suddenly finds himself in a thriller-like situation in which he needs to change underwear to to accommodate. How does he know, though? Is he like, I feel like today's going to be a thriller-like situation. No, he carries them with, like, briefs in one pocket or whatever he's not wearing is in his pocket. So he's like, I see, oh, my God, I'm in the middle of a gunfight. Just a quick change of. He was just like, hold on, guys, I'll be right back. And then he runs to the bathroom. I mean, mean, what kind of monster, if you're attacking somebody with with a submachine gun, wouldn't have the decency to just hold up a minute so you can change into the proper underwear? I mean, if you call time. Absolutely. I I don't think there are any dastardly, there are any folks quite that dastardly. I don't care who your villain is. They're going to give you time to change your underwear. Yeah, it's only right. It's only gentleman's agreement. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, all right. So, my. uh, the the main series hero of mine is a a guy named uh, Phil Porter and uh, just goes by Porter. You know, he's a kind of a, a troublemaking type of guy who goes around and and solves problems and finds missing people and things like that. So he's always into it. He's always into the the, the crap, so to speak. And uh, he learned a long time ago that if he has anything to kind of constrict him, he can't move effectively. Like he'd rather let it kind of, you know, dangle and jangle than just be caught up underneath him. So uh, he's a he's an all natural guy. He's always gone commando. And um, his uh, his his favorite way of looking at it is uh, if you're packing that thing, you got to let it swing. So um, (laughs) that's that's what Porter does. man. So very nice. That's worth (laughs) the point. (laughs) Nick, what do you think? You can tell us about Harvey Bennett. Um, so Harvey is um, <clears throat> an interesting uh, figure. He he is basically the most irrelevant, um, out of touch person on the planet. Um, he, he argues that he doesn't care about things like fashion. Um, the truth is, he just doesn't even know where to start. Um, and so he thinks uh, because he's married now, you know, he's got a kind of reputation to uphold. He thinks that uh, it's cool to wear boxers, even though he doesn't realize that briefs technology has really taken off in the past decade. I mean, obviously, as we all know. Um, and so he is wearing boxers because his dad just used to wear tidy whities and he thinks that's what old men do. So he's like, well, I'm going to wear boxers because that's cool. And so that's what, uh, that's what he's, he's traipsing around in is his, in his boxers. And he, he swears by him, swears by him, like <laughs> curse words and stuff but right in the middle of fight scenes. It's just ridiculous. He's like, damn, these boxers are comfortable. <laughs> all right. Thank Fine you. Nick. Trousers I'm wearing there underneath. And anytime he enters the Donnybrook situation, he um, he, he thanks his uh, thanks his boxers, thanks his lucky right. boxers. 
Let us do our last story of the day. This is called Dude. Colin Sullins, who grows cannabis plants outside his home in New Brunswick, Canada, caught a little thief in his garden recently. Sullins found a mouse nibbling on the stems of the plants, then passed out in a pile of leaves. He's missing an ear, so it may be self-medication for his PTSD, but I still think it's time for an intervention, Sullins said. He rehomed the mouse to a cage where he was weaned to just one medium leaf per day. It's been a rough couple of days for our little baked buddy here, and despite a bellyache and a wicked bad case of munchies, I think he'll make a full recovery, Sullins wrote on Facebook. Who wants to be the first to pitch us a story about the pot-eating mouse? This is the most Canadian way to handle this situation, too, I think. <laughs> just nurse him back to health? Just, yeah. You can give him free free weed. I mean, come on. Guy's stealing weed. So, R.A., Craig, Nick, it could be any of you, really. Any of you could be the first to go. It can't be any of us. I, think <laughs> I can promise you that. It can't be me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, um, I'll just mention it up here uh, on the spot, as that's what we do. Um, this mouse is a science experiment, and the bad guy has created the science experiment to do something bad, and the good guy is trying to stop the bad guy from doing the bad thing with the science experiment. That's, that's okay. The whole thing. So, nice, well done. You like that? It had a beginning, middle, and end. It kinda. did. It did. Yeah, did you catch that? It kind of had some structure there. <laughs> a little arc. Also, the mouse falls in love toward the end. Lives <laughs> 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 happily ever after. <laughs> he moves to a dispensary in Washington. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, <laughs> is anybody else going to go? Or are we just going to cut it short? No, no, I got this. I got this. I got this. <laughs> All right, what do you got? I'll go. All right, so uh, I think that what's happening is... Um, <clears throat> okay, so I think that our guy here grew up... Uh, well, I shouldn't say grew up. He... Uh, what do you do when you go over to after college? You go like an exchange student type of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah something Brooking. like that. Yeah, he's definitely Donnie Brooking. Well, Donnie Brooking this uh, this little mouse, but no, he he spent some time over in Asia, uh, and he's very very passionate about uh, the Asian culture over there. And so, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the way I'm pronouncing this. Um, Kopi Luwak. Do you guys know what that is? I've never heard it said. I've only ever only only ever read it. <clears throat> it's this very expensive coffee uh, from Asia. Oh, and the what makes coffee or the uh, monkey poop coffee? Yeah, it's like a bird uh, uh, eats the coffee beans and poops it out, and so that's like apparently a draw. All right, I don't understand who would want <laughs> coffee, but you know, whatever, man. I'm not here to judge, man. I'm a live and let live kind of guy. <clears throat> well, I think that our guy here is uh, not telling the truth about how he discovered the mouse. I think that he, when he was in Asia, he loved the Kopi Luwak coffee so much that he thought, well, what if I get a friendly mouse to eat some of this weed and then poop it out? And then I can collect it from the poop and I can smoke it. And it has to be more aged. It has to be stronger hitting. The THC content's got to be better. So I think that 
our friendly Canadian is just emulating what he saw of from the Kopi Luwak poop coffee from Asia. And that's what this really is, is that him uh, trying to make his strain stronger uh, through the digestion process of a, of a little road. So very nice. Thanks, Ari. All right. So Nick, Craig, anybody? Wait, no, I already went. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great Nick. It was yeah. Thank, I totally remember. I'm here for the here for the affirmation. I appreciate that. <laughs> so this so Colin sees the end of the world coming, right? And but he's a businessman, and he's learned during his years of cannibalism that eating large amounts of pot makes things taste better. And so he's like, you know what? End of the world's coming along. We're going to be eating mice, rats, insects. So he's what he's trying to do is create the perfectly flavored or that imparts flavor uh, weed because he feels that's going to be a broad, wide supply at the end of the world so that he can actually feed these mice and then, you know, provide these to needy people at the end of the world in the apocalypse so that there's tasty, <laughs> tasty rodents for everybody to eat. <laughs> mice for needy people i can just see the banner now it's like outside the salvation army it's gonna have a little like a little peanut cart <laughs> a hot dog cart in new york <laughs> rodents <laughs> in a rodent like, wit without yeah. rodents so on funny. a stick oh my god like oliver twist more rodents please <laughs> <laughs> please sir can I have another mouse? <laughs> <laughs> Story on the live is almost as cool as this guy. Look at those eyebrows. Dang. They're pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Lashes, dude. Okay, everyone. Hey, thanks for watching. Oh, and if you were wondering last week what RA was about to say before I, I hit the end broadcast button, and then he's like, wait, wait, wait. And it's like half a second lapse. So it was last week was my birthday, and that's what RA was going to say. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's Thank all. you for having a birthday, Arbiter Jim, and pulling this whole show together. We appreciate it, even if the other guy that way doesn't say it. <laughs> that one. I, I know what you mean. He's not He's not even looking. He is looking down. He doesn't even care that you're talking about him. <laughs> so, hey, over here, wait, no, over here is Craig A. Hart. Down there is R.A. McGee. Down there is Nick Thacker. If you go all the way down to storyonthespot.live, you will find uh, all of our websites as well as all the past episodes of the show. You can get it on podcast form, watch it on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, you can also, we're working on a straight intravenous drip, but there are some uh, FDA regulatory things we're trying to work out before that's going to be possible, but we're working on it. Uh, story on the spot, intravenous 2021. We're working on it. <laughs> okay, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later.